podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh and James Jones. And West Ham United are unbeaten in the Premier League in the 2023-24 campaign after a resounding victory at home over London rivals Chelsea 3-1 at London Stadium. The Super Sunday game, the world was watching Chelsea's near £1 billion squad decimated by the brute power technique and skill by converted right back Mikhail Antonio. Absolutely hilarious watching him rifle it into the bottom left corner. I couldn't be the only one in the world with their head in their hands, refusing to get excited as Mikhail ambled through on goal before rifling one of the most accurate shots I've ever seen him hit into that bottom corner. He, of course, waited, Jonesy, did he not, until he got in the penalty area before shooting? Because as we know, he's literally allergic to scoring from outside the box. (laughs) Yeah, I did think of you, mate, when he smashed that in the bottom corner. You, You were the first person I thought of. (laughs) Um, which is which I'm sure when Ariola saved the penalty earlier in the game I was probably the first person you thought of right (laughs) Um, yeah what what a what a performance I'll say say what a performance there were parts of the game which were really rubbish from West Ham really really rubbish (laughs) Um, but we dug in defended very well particularly towards the end of the game when Chelsea were chasing it and we scored when it mattered most, and James Will Prowse made a huge difference to the way we take corners and the midfield. Um, but all round, it was a, it was a, it was a great day. It was very very surprising. I was expecting to rock up there after a two hour journey into Stratford to uh, <laughs> to another two two hour journey back, having been thumped four 0 or something ridiculous like that. So it was <laughs> very welcome, very surprising. But but yeah, very very happy with that. And it gives absolutely us a bit of something, something to think now. Suddenly thinking, oh, actually, maybe it might not be a bad season after all. Maybe we've underestimated <laughs> the, uh, the qualities of our own football club. Absolutely, look, it's just, the, the, it just this just highlights the fallacy of the football fan, right? And of us in particular, and of the podcast, and and just what it is to be a football fan. Last week's pod was genuinely we we. You know, we try and do our best to try and stay a little bit pragmatic and look holistically at uh, the bigger picture and that sort of stuff. But last week was a bit tough, wasn't it? It's like one all at ball. Yeah. If you're like, oh, come on, that was must win. We're not going to win till the end of October. Moisey could be out. The fans are going to get angry. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> and then we turn over a team that's cost a billion quid to assemble uh, with, <laughs> with like a manager who's considered one of the best in the world. Uh, with our ragtag bunch of uh, yeah converted right backs and and misfits led by Moisey, who half the fan base hate and want out of the club, it's quite the uh, yeah quite the fallacy indeed. But yeah, an amazing result. I mean, look, let's call it as it is, right? As as we try and do on the podcast, that could have gone either way, couldn't it? Let's be frank. As much as yep. we've come away with a three-one victory, if we were sitting here and Chelsea had won the game three-one. 
you would not have been surprised at all. I, I thought they looked full of energy and full of running, really dangerous for large parts of the game. I think you mentioned, obviously, David Moyes' style. You kind of, as many times as you watch it, you still don't get used to the opposition having loads of the ball, do you? You always feel that we're getting well beaten here or, oh, no, we're, we're proper under the cosh. But if you look at it, you know, the amount of wins we've had under David Moyes, you'd say the lion's share of those have been with less of the ball, haven't they? And But despite that, you still don't quite get used to <laughs> the opposition dominating possession all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that we're a better team without uh, the very thing that we should be good at using. Um, put it in the net. Put, in the, put it in the net and actually playing with the football, which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, but we're a better team without it, uh, and that showed yesterday. But yeah, you're right. You, you don't get used to it, especially when you're up against someone like Raheem Sterling, who I thought was outstanding. I thought um, it was really throughout. good. Yeah. He gave us he gave us a lot of problems down that right hand side or our left, and he concerned me probably more than any one of their players. He like I thought yeah, he's going to because he loves scoring. I think he scored six goals at London Stadium as well, all for Man City, obviously when he used to rock up and beat us twelve nil every, every time. But he seems to love that pitch. So as soon as within the first five minutes, I was like, oh, yeah, like, he's going to cause us a lot of problems. And he did throw out even mm. you know, when we were winning. Um, so, yeah, when you come up against a team like that and you, you go one nil up early and then you just know and exactly what happened, we're going to sit back and try and grind out a one nil win for the, for the remaining 83 minutes of the game. Uh, and you've got a, t- a £1 billion team with Raheem Sterling on a mad one, like, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you expect to concede more than one, don't you, in the end? But somehow we've done it. We did it again. We, we, we have a, I think we mentioned it last week. We have a knack of, David Moyes has a knack of just grinding out these just um, like unexpected and very surprising yeah. results. Plucking them out sort of when he needs them or when, or, you know, more importantly, when no one expects him to get them, I think is... Yeah, is sort of how it works most, isn't it? But yeah, look, you know, incredible to beat Chelsea. They're clearly still a work in progress and you do sense they will improve as the season goes on. They played really well against Liverpool on the opening day. And again, it could have gone either way. Mauricio Pochettino, after speaking, how annoyed he was about, he'd warned his players that West Ham are really good at set pieces. James Ward-Prowse, instant impacts. I don't think I've ever had as much egg on my face. I've been quite vocal. Uh, not only on the podcast, but on Twitter, uh, in our BBC column, anywhere where there's a We Are West Ham presence, really. And even just in the office, chatting to my colleagues, saying, ah, nah, James Ward-Prowse, dodgy signing, good at set pieces, but you know, for everything you gain from set pieces, you'll get overrun in the middle of the park and um, you know, it'll affect our gameplay and we might score a couple more because of him, but I think we'll concede a few more too. Um, yeah, I feel like a bit of a wally. I when when he put that corner in, he put one in just before actually, and we'd had a chance and he um and we'd missed. Um but when he put that corner in for Aguero's goal, I was shouting, James Wall Prowse, James Wall Prowse. And my mates were like, No, 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 it was Aguero. I was like, I know it was Aguero who scored it, but look at look at the impact James Wall Prowse has had. I knew that would happen. <laughs> um and every single it was great that every single corner that we took was bang on. Absolutely bang yeah. on this throughout and it was like finally we've got we finally got a corner taker as well you didn't obviously you didn't get an opportunity to, to hit a free kick but that'll come 
But mm. I think it's a superb signing for 30 million quid, and that shows two assists on his debut. Um, how you never saw it was a good signing, I still, still will never know. <laughs> um, and the fact that that BBC column that we had published last week that you wrote is going to be on the internet forever um, <laughs> is funny, apart from the fact that it's got my name on it. Which is not great. People think it's me that's written that, and it was you. <laughs> yeah, true story, mate. No, I'm, look, I'm, you know, I, I, to be honest, yeah, it, it sort of highlights that as, as perhaps one of the worst football takes of all time. I've had a bit of a stinker the last like week or so. Actually, I, I was sort of quite publicly um, saying I went on the radio, went on the radio about a week or so ago, saying oh, I think the Harry Maguire thing's just a bit of posturing from his agent. I think that deal will still get done. You'll see him in a West Ham shirt by the end of the window. Within forty-eight hours, it was like. Yeah, nah, 100% off. Mavrapanos looks like he's on the way in. Um, but listen, loads to talk about. James, anything, any sort of exciting non-football updates? Um, how's things? How are you getting on? How's it been the last week? Your haircuts, new haircuts uh, still looking decent. Still looking good, thanks, mate. Yeah, still Have growing. you Did you get it done after a, after a holiday? So did no. you go on holiday and then have a haircut? Because it appears like you've got a tan line to sort of like around the perimeter of your face? Well, I mean, I came back. I mean, I'm slightly red today because I spent four yeah. hours in the sun before kickoff yesterday. <laughs> um, sitting outside <laughs> a bar in Stratford. And yeah, probably not the best thing to do. I'm very red and a little bit sore, to be honest, today. Yeah. But um, so that might, that probably highlights <laughs> it probably a lot it. more than it is. But I do have a tan line. Obviously, I'm still a little bit tan from my, my trip in Spain a month ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Maybe, maybe it's the shadow it, from your quiff. That uh, <laughs> that just sort of blocks the sunlight yeah. out because it is a fairly Maybe. like I'm assuming you've been called Johnny Bravo before, have you? No, so it's not a quiff. It looks like it because I've got headphones on, but it's actually just slicked back. But my oh, headphones are pushing down the middle of uh, my hair, so it now looks like I've got a quiff. <laughs> right, um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't Modern actually have a quiff. Presley, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Joe's Joe's going down. It's like, oh, what do you want, mate? Yeah, I have a short back and sides and a perm, like usual, please. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, look, mate, I'm not slagging it. Yeah, just never known anyone to get a tan line just from the shape of their hair. It's impressive stuff, mate. Um, look, we've got a packed show coming up this week. Uh, as I mentioned last week, Robbie Morgan, comedian, sketch artist, online social media sensation. Hopefully, a few of you went over and followed him and enjoyed that chat. We're going to try and do a lot more of that this season. Um, get a few more West Ham-based guests. Obviously, we have the opposition view every week and we have the odd surprise guest every now and then. Um, but yeah, we're going to try and have a few more West Ham-orientated guests. So it's not just me and Jonesy you have to listen to week on week. Delighted to say this week joining us is the Sun Sport, Sun Newspapers West Ham correspondent, Jordan Davis, making his We Are West Ham podcast debut. He's very excited about it and pestering me about it for a while. Uh, that's just the, the the stature of the podcast now, Jonesy. The stars and the guests come to us. We've worked hard for it, haven't we? Now we don't have to work hard at all. They just come to us and we just rock up on a, on a Monday morning and record. Yeah, apart from, of course, James, as you know, the um, impossible task that is finding a Brighton and Hove Albion guest. But I think I've actually cracked it this year i think we've got an actual brighton fan from an actual brighton podcast coming on um from joe that is from albion obsessed he's coming on later on after jordan who's going to give us a, a bit of a different look at things from a west ham perspective 
Uh, we'll do a detailed review on that great win against Chelsea. Me and James, you'll do that. We'll speak about Mikel Antonio, James Ward-Prowse's impact of his two assists, as James has mentioned already. Nayef Aguered scoring a goal, then getting sent off. Lucas Paqueta and these betting allegations. And then Alphonse Areola with his penalty save as well, which, uh, yeah, just again, just made me and you look like right wallies, James. You know, and Mikel Antonio pings one in. <laughs> hey? Made me look like a Wally at least, Ariola. Well, the Ariola one did, but everyone knows my attitude on Mikel Antonio and James Ward Prowse. So basically, this week we're just going to embrace the fact that um, yeah, everything we said last week was complete fallacy and ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no, but we'll let we'll, so we'll have a laugh about that. The Betway uh, charity bets are back. One of us came very very close this week to pulling in an enormous haul for uh, the DT thirty eight. Foundation and the Bobby Moore Fund, which are the charities we're playing for this year. So we'll have that with Betway Charity Bets later on. The opposition view with Joe, as I mentioned, from Albion Obsessed. And then some final thoughts from me and Jonesy. Pack show promises to be an exciting, interesting and fun one. So make sure you stay with us. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. I'm at William Pugh underscore James is at by James Jones. You can get us on Instagram as well. We are West Ham pod. You can buy us a pint if you want at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. James went out to the game yesterday and had a few. So if you fancy chipping in to our beer fund or just generally stuff to make the podcast better with buy equipment and guest fees, then that's buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. I don't think, James, I've got anything. Oh, yeah, you can email us at we are West Ham pod at gmail.com and subscribe to the YouTube channel at uh, the We Are West Ham podcast. Just search that. Jonesy does a sterling job of putting all the videos and clips up. A few of those from this week's show, as usual, will be on there. So go over and subscribe. Pack show, lots coming up. Stay with us for all of it next. So I'm delighted to say joining us for the very first time on the We Are West Ham podcast is the Suns West Ham correspondent, Jordan Davis. Jordan, how are you getting on, mate? You've been pestering me for absolutely months to come on and be a big star on the We Are West Ham podcast. Use your our platform to launch you into superstardom among Hammers fans. Great to have you with us, mate. You are at the game yesterday. Uh, how's it going? Good, yeah. Um, it was a surprising result. I don't think any of us really were discussing the potential of a 3-1 victory um, when we were all set in the press room. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a fantastic result, result really for West Ham. And, and you could almost sense in the in the crowd at full time that, 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 that this result just kind of lifts morale a bit. I know I know West Ham fans haven't been entirely happy with the window and and it's it's, it's not, not been as quick as, as they would like it to be in getting players in. But this performance, this result really, really will give, I know it sounds crazy two games in, but it will give um, David Moyes a bit of breathing space. I mean, he has been under pressure, but I, I, I really do think that this was a humongous win, especially with Brighton and then Luton and Man City coming up, that, that he needed a, a standout performance and standout result. And this was it. Saying that, it could have been a lot different had Enzo Fernandez scored his penalty, had Chelsea taken advantage of some of the chances they had. But as Moyes said, this was a classic West Ham display under him. It was nitty, it was gritty. They held out. There was a low block for a lot of the game, which they seemed to get away with. And um, yeah, just all smiles in East London. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, you've sort of echoed the exact stuff that me and Josie said in the intro and, and you listened to the podcast last week, obviously. And um, well, it might not be obvious, to be fair, I don't suppose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that obvious? But um, yeah, it, and you know, it was, it was difficult. We were saying that it just felt weird after the Bournemouth game, saying the first game of the season is a must win because there just wasn't a, a belief. And I think you almost get swept up in the negativity sometimes and we do our level best on this podcast and not do that and try and stay measured and, and look holistically at things and just sort of acknowledge that you know this is the best time of supporting West Ham in in our history and well, Moyes had a, a a bit of an average season in the Premier League last season but it wasn't like really relegation threatened it wasn't supersonic bad like we've seen within the past decade or so we do try and hold on to that but I think it's easy to get swept up in or at least have that negativity affect you, especially when you go on Twitter every day. But I'll be honest, and, and we, we fell into that, I think, last week and you just felt not beating Bournemouth. We beat them so convincingly away at the end of last season. Some difficult fixtures coming up. You just felt oh, something was a bit missing. But as James made the point already, Moisey's had a a sort of knack since he's been at the club of just pulling out results a when you don't expect them but b when he really needs them whenever the pressure's really ramping up on him he just seems to pull an absolute worldie of a result or performance out the bag which is obviously excellent stuff and i don't know what it was sort of you obviously follow it from a with a little bit less emotion than than me and jonesy do of course um in a professional capacity what's your sense and feeling been you've been covering west ham for what 18 months is it a year or you tell me but what's your sense how have you found it sort of viewing it from your position um well to be honest i've kind of had I'd say the luckiest time covering West Ham. I I, I came in February 2022, which is kind of in the middle of the, the amazing Europa League run and getting to Frankfurt and, and not thinking it, it could really get any better than that. And then suddenly I find myself in Prague and I'm seeing Jared Bowen run through and score a winning goal in a European final for West Ham. It, it really <laughs> it really has been incredible. I, I do I do understand where the negativity comes from because I think there is the expectation and, and and David Moyes has been a victim of all his own success. He's risen the expectation Definitely. by finishing in sixth and seventh. And I think West Ham fans now want a bit more consistency, not just pull it out the bag against Chelsea when you need to, or the amount of times last season I wrote the line must win game for David Moyes <laughs> or being on the brink of a sack or, and it, 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 it got a bit, not boring, boring is the wrong word, but it, it just got a bit strange to write every time because you think, well, how many times can a manager be on the brink of a sack and yet take a team to a European semi-final or final? It's it's a strange one. Although yesterday, the atmosphere around Moisey, he went round with the pitch and clapped everyone. And, and there did seem to be a... Um, last season, there was a lot of... <sighs> West Ham fans probably uh, some West Ham fans maybe would have been seen would have been happy to see the back of him last season. Whereas I feel as though we we, we saw at the game um, yesterday that the West Ham fans really do back him and they, and they really do want him to succeed. And he's got another European run, and if he does well in that again, they'll 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 love me even more. But yeah, I think with a, that, a, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that and the thing is, and we're guilty of it as well, right? Is that you get it's moments like that and games like that that make that remind you that the vast majority of people in the West Ham Stadium who pay their money and go every week 
aren't on Twitter. Aren't, do you know, most fans uh, are just fairly normal sort of level-headed people who, you know, Twitter is literally designed so you see the vitriol, isn't it? And I think that it's always games like that. And we're obviously, you know, it's sort of part of our professions and stuff and you're on those sort of platforms regularly. Really, ch- chat to my dad. My dad doesn't know what a Twitter is. Like, you know, he's just getting to grips with his iPhone, for God's sake. I, I, I just find it hard to... Uh, I just think it, it reminds you that, that most West Ham fans are just fairly level-headed and all want the manager to succeed, like you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, And it just reminds me, actually, I, I, I got home and just had a scroll through Twitter. And the first comment I saw was someone saying... James Ward Prowse, he had he had, he had one good corner and that, and that was it. And you just and you just kind of sit there and think, this is a brand new signing who had a, a very good game. Um, yes, an amazing corner, but he also um, set up Antonio's goal and just that buzz and 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 obviously from the press box you can kind of look at the game from quite high up and you, and you can see how Suchek and Ward Prowse work together in kind of in that compact two and and and, and Lucas Pakatar coming to help as well and th- there are, there are signs that that he will be a very very good signing for West Ham and it's it's an Alvarez I know he had a short cameo but he as well looks looks like a well. I saw him in the mix zone. He is an absolute unit. I, I didn't realise how big he is. I mean, I'm over six foot and I was looking up at him, speaking right. to him. He, he, he's a very, very <laughs> big t- guy. You're talking to two lads who are less than five foot ten here. We don't need those sort of reminders on the podcast. <laughs> no. Oh, no. well, don't uh, um, don't go for a bit with Essen Alvarez because you, you, <laughs> you're in small age. But, but yeah, I just, I think there needs to be and there needs to be a bit of faith now back in him that he can get some signings in that will improve the team. I know last summer eight signings, two or three worked. If 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 that, and I know there's some sort of debate over the likes of Tilo Carer and and Maxwell Corne, but I I do feel as though he he is bringing in players that he thinks will improve the team, and and you're seeing that already. Jordan, what more business is he going to do? Obviously, we're led to believe that Rapinos is is very close and he'll be a, a centre-back signing to see the alternative to Harry Maguire. The feeling amongst West Ham fans is that, yeah, OK, Michael Antonio scored against Chelsea and it was a great finish, probably his best finish in a West Ham shirt and one of the best. Um, but we still desperately need an actual striker who can score more than... 10, score, consistently score 10, 15 goals a season. Is that still on Moyes' radar? Because... Yeah, okay. He's brought in a couple of midfielders, which so far so good. But that's it, and we're still very light in in other areas of the squad, which is probably why West Ham fans still a little bit. I'm an hour and over whether Moyes is the right man because it's taken so long to get this business done. Yeah, no. Um, just on what you said about Mavropanos, yeah, that's correct. He he was at the ground yesterday to watch the game. Um, that should be announced shortly. So I think he's now happy with his centre back options. Um, he still wants to improve the midfield. I mean, he still wants Mohamed Kudus. I, I know the bid was rejected. They're they're trying again. Tim Stiard and the technical director is is really pushing hard that one. That's one of his kind of ones. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That he wants to um get over. Tim Stiard has been in Holland. Um a lot to try and get this one over the line and for, from what we're hearing West Ham should be putting in an, a, a, another bid for him um, in, in terms expect of expect that to be option, done then Jordan sorry just quickly expect that to be um, done what sort of level price wise I, I, I don't think West Ham want to go 
50 million. I, th- I think if, if they can get in for 45 and with some add-ons or kind of getting close to 50 million, I think they will go there. If it goes anywhere near past that, then I think they'll maybe move on to other targets. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's done. And, and if, if, if that is done and um, Lucas Bakatar does stay, then you're looking at that mid and thinking that's that's quite a tasty midfield that can do a lot. And also, Kudus can play out wide. So, Moyes wants those options as well for out wide. In terms of the striker, um, I know, I know, Will, you've got very strong thoughts on Jared Bowen being played down the middle. Um, mm. David Moyes... You mean Jared Bowen, our right winger, who's our best player last season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, on. Yeah. David Moyes does this thing in press conferences where if he wants to send a message, he'll keep on repeating himself in different press conferences every time. And he's said in the last three or four press conferences that Jared Bowen has the ability to play down the middle, which is why he is looking out wide to maybe bring in a winger. That's why Kudus... Again, a midfielder who can play out wide, he may try and push him out wide. Maxwell Corney, he he may well um, try and use. He still thinks Maxwell Corney can play down the middle. I'm I'm not so sure. Um, I'm I'm in a bit of halfway house with this Jared Bowen down the middle because I I do think he has the capabilities, but I I do also agree that his best position is out on the right, taking players on and cutting inside or getting to the byline. So that's where Moyes is right now. He is. He is still open to signing a striker, but I think I, I asked him the other day, "Are you happy with uh, Mubama, um, uh, Ings, Antonio, and maybe Corne down the middle?" And he said, "If I'm left with that, then I'd be happy with that." So I think he's content like with no. what he has. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's content with what he has right now. But again, he is still open. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of games, maybe Luton away, he tries. Bowen down the middle, or maybe in the Carabao Cup, which I think is uh, at the end of the month, he may try Bowen down the middle. He's he's desperate to try it, so that if it pays off, he can say, "I told you so." I've been mentioning it for a couple of weeks, so yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that'll be directed straight at you, Will, if he does go down <laughs> yeah, the middle. Potentially. Yeah, potentially. So, so yeah, I mean, look, sort of fair enough on 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 that front. I I just find it annoying. He's so good at. Link, he's our key man of linking our defense to the attack. Like the amount of times he picks up the ball fairly deep, drives it forward, beats someone, holds it up in the corners, enables everyone else to move up the pitch. I just think you know, it's all very well having him up front saying he can play there, yeah. But who's going to be getting the ball to him? He already does that job so well, but anyway, that's one for one for another day, uh, especially after we've just beaten Chelsea at home 3 1. Uh, the the Lucas Paqueta situation, Jordan's obviously a bit of a delicate one at the moment. Investigation ongoing. There's only so much you can say. Showed real passion after scoring that no-look penalty at the weekend. He's a class act, an absolute Rolls-Royce of a player. It appears the Man City move is sort of off, or at least called, but you know, he's by all reports been really professional, showed loads of passion after scoring the goal, probably been a stressful time for him. What do you make of that situation? Where do you see it going based on obviously what you're sort of limited by what you can and can't say at the moment? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation and, and, and obviously the club are being quite uh, well, and they're hesitant to give any more information on it right now, which is perfectly understandable. Um, yeah, I was I was incredibly impressed. I I I maybe thought Moyes may try and bench him just to take him out of the spotlight. He didn't. Um, 
he got involved from the first minute, um, kind of complaining at referees and, and kind of getting stuck in tackles, which is what he always does. But but it was yeah, and for someone who's got this looming over him, over him, I've just been incredibly impressed by by his his attitude. It it, it really shows that he's committed to this team to to the club and Moyes said after the game but I didn't even have a, a thought to even speak to him about it because he's just that sort of kind of that player um I think <laughs> and, we, and, and we've heard that he's just a bit of a nutcase really he doesn't care what anyone says he doesn't care what what kind of happens in previous games he, he just goes out and, and does his own thing whenever he wants and I think I think Again, it depends on what happens with this, with this investigation and on what happens. But I think West Ham fans can be really excited and not need to worry because Moyes mm. A is definitely going to play him. He always plays his best players no matter what is going on. Um, and B, I, I just feel like he's really invested. I know his head has been slightly turned by Man City. As I hate that phrase. Any. I hate it so much. Do you hate it? Do you hate yeah, it? yeah, and look, I mean, you've 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 written in stories, loads of like journalists have not just for Paqueta, for everyone. How do you gauge it? What, what do you mean his head's been turned? Like, I don't understand how you gauge someone's head has been turned. His head has been turned so many times; it's done a full three sixty, like the scene in Saw where they screw the bloke's head off. I just, uh, what does that even mean? Like, what does I, what is it? he's interested or what? I think I think it, I, I, I think it's more kind of when you're talking to agents or when you're talking to people around him, sometimes they change their tone. Because so, normally when you talk to an agent, he says, yeah, the player's really happy. He's delighted. Um, whereas sometimes you get the line, oh, we'll see what happens. We'll, mm. we'll kind of, we'll see what happens at the end of the window. That normally indicates that a player is either in discussions with his agent or he's, he's deliberating um, what to do. And that's normally like agent code for kind of how that goes. So that's the only reason I say head, um, um, head, yeah, head yeah. turned. But, but what I was is saying, it basically I, I, just anything beyond anything that isn't? No, he's not interested in that move. Counts as heads turning. No, I think it has to be a little bit more than that. Uh, yeah, I think if they say no, he's definitely he's, he's definitely staying at West Ham. That's fine. If it's more, yeah, you know, um, we're kind of seeing what's out there. We're kind of uh, we're not going to make any concrete decisions right now. I think you can kind of guarantee that then the player is in talks with his agent and saying, "Oh, Man City are interested." Yeah, what's yeah. happening here so so yeah but but in terms of what's happening if the if the investigation comes to nothing then West Ham likely will keep hold of that player depends what happens in this investigation and this hearing but for now I I wouldn't be worried if I was a West Ham fan he's going to play every minute for that that he can so Jordan based on the first the, the, the first two games of the season bearing in mind that the first two games well, I think it was the first four games last season we lost all of them um, this year, this season, we're unbeaten in the first two. What, what do you think we should be expecting as West Ham fans in this season? It's still early days, obviously. We've still got, what, 10 days at a window. So I think a lot of stuff can change between now and then. But what do you think we should be expecting for the season? And make it, particularly in Europe as well, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for the draw on September 1st for the Europa League because I, I think West Ham actually have a chance of getting quite an exciting draw. I know, I know the last two draws have been not very kind of sexy teams, if you want, but I, I think that could be really exciting. In terms, of, in, in terms of the league, I do feel that the next couple of games will show a lot. I mean, Brighton um, 
West Ham just don't have a good record against Brighton. They always seem to get battered and burned by Brighton, oh, which the century, but yeah, yeah. Which um, which I've I've been at the last two, and and it's just been there's been like an, an inevitability that Brighton are just going to kind of steamroll of them. So I think if West Ham put a really good performance in against Brighton and then get a result away at Luton, going into that Man City game, I I I really feel as though Moyes can go for a top ten finish, perhaps more this season. I'm not going to say too much in case this is pulled up and suddenly West Ham are fifteenth in March and and um, I'm ridiculed. But I, I do really feel that they're going to make a few more signings before the end of the window, and they'll just have a very solid, good squad, and Moyes can and can work with that. And yeah, I I do feel top ten is a is a possibility, but I I mean I, I'm intrigued to see how they get on at Brighton. And then against Luton, and then if they come through those two games without any scars, then who knows? I think to be fair, these days, I mean, we've got Joe Sayers on later on from Albion Obsessed uh, to chat about that game, and yeah, I mean, anything less than a four-nil defeat counts as like a scarless experience for West Ham <laughs> these days. It's genuinely more of a write-off than Man City away. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but look, Brighton doing some amazing things so far this season. So uh, I think they'll be, you know, I think they'll be turning over a few teams. Well, look, Jordan, it's been absolutely brilliant uh, having you on. Before we let you go, we'll get you on again this season, no doubt. Um, can you sort of have a word with the rest of the West Ham pack and just journalism, journalist pack in general, journalists you come across and, and perhaps pitch the idea of like, every time the phrase heads turned is used, you give like a, the amount of degrees it's been turned. So like if there's like the interest isn't that much, it's just like 10 degrees slightly to the right. So you see a little bit of profile, but then if it's like loads, it's like 270 degrees almost the whole way around because yeah, I, I, if I hear Dharma Sheth say on Sky Sports News one more time, I think I'm going to like rip my ears off because he must have, I reckon he needs that tattooed on the inside of his arm. Head has been turned Head inside turned. Name here. Yeah. Mental. Yeah. Look, Jordan, it's been absolutely great. Thanks for giving us your thoughts. Jordan Davis there, West Ham correspondent for the Sun newspaper. Go and follow Jordan on Twitter. He's uh, obviously in all the press conferences and stuff. Well in there with all things West Ham news-wise as well. If you love your transfers, uh, then hit Jordan up on Twitter. See your stuff in the sun as well. Stay with us because me and Jonesy will have a more detailed review of that great win against Chelsea next. So, Jordan Davis there from The Sun, West Ham correspondent. Jones, some interesting uh, takes from Jordan. Yeah, not a bad little gig that one is, eh? Yeah, starting in February 2022, just a couple of little European tours. And then, yeah, just right about West Ham, get the chat to Moisey every week. Uh, listen, Jonesy, that, that Chelsea game then, absolutely sensational. We've already mentioned egg on my face about James Ward-Prowse. I've got my list of topics to cover in front of me, as I, I say, I was going to say, as I always do, as if I prep for the podcast every week, which is completely untrue. Um, Mikel Antonio, James Ward-Prowse, now for Gwerd, goal and red, Lucas Paqueta penalty or Areola penalty save. Where do you want to start? Not Areola, I assume. <laughs> well, I mean, Areola, it was a good save. Uh, I say good save. I mean, the penalty wasn't great. But he saved the penalty, and I'm still in a little bit of shock. He dived the right way. He saved it. 
maybe he's just been practicing in the summer, knowing he was going to be the first choice. <laughs> listening to the podcast, probably. He's listening to the podcast. He's heard me moaning about it. He's gone, right, I better butt my ideas up here and start putting yeah. some penalty saving practice. And it's, it's paid off, clearly. He's, obviously, that kept us in the game. And then we go on and win, even with 10 men. So, yeah, I would like to apologise to Ariola for doubting his ability to save penalties. But he gave me yeah. every reason to doubt him from the off. Uh, but I apologise publicly. Yeah, fair enough, mate. I mean, you're obviously a bigger man than I am. Not physically, not actually bigger man than I am. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you're at least four to six inches short than me, as we all know. But I am not going to apologise. Am I? It's just sort of, you know, four to six, <laughs> roughly-ish. Right, um, okay. I'm not going to apologise to Mikel Antonio publicly. Um, I texted my dad yesterday, said I'm still not singing the song. Uh, still none of it makes up for the Manchester United away in the FA Cup midweek journey. I don't think anything ever will. Um, yeah, it does make me look a bit silly. Great to obviously win the game. Great to see Antonio score. I did see someone put on Twitter, uh, posted a clip of the Antonio goal and said, this is going to make some people so angry. Most of them are West Ham fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did give that one a like. I thought, yeah. Uh, I obviously wasn't angry about it, but no, it does... Um, Hey, listen, look, it's great. And if you can re rediscover that score and form again, I'm all for it. It doesn't change the fact I would like to see a striker. The James Ward-Prowsing we've mentioned already. Uh, what did you make of his gameplay, James? Because that was sort of the the main, you know, angle that I've taken on it was that, yeah, I know he's good at set pieces. I just think when ball the ball is in open play, which it is a lot of the time, um, that we may get found wanting, particularly as he sort of, appears to have come in as a Declan Rice replacement. He played alongside Suchek, as Declan used to do. What do you make of the gameplay and how does he affect that dynamic, you think, based on what you saw at Chelsea, against Chelsea? Well, it, it certainly felt like Suchek uh, was was a lot deeper. Um, I thought well, I thought James Ward-Prowse, just throughout the game, just felt like a real safe pair of hands in midfield. He didn't put, literally didn't do anything wrong, was never caught out of position. Um you know, his passing was was as you'd expect it to be for a, a player of his quality and a player that's played in the Premier League for the last decade, over 350 appearances. So I think his overall gameplay is, is, is going to be playing a little bit further forward, probably exactly how Rice ended his West Ham career and Suchet's going to drop back. I wonder what this means for Alvarez because I thought the pairing between Suchet and Will Prowse looked, looked pretty solid up against mm. a... Uh, a good, albeit a little bit um, inexperienced Chelsea midfield. Um, so you wonder okay, when Alvarez does come in, he came on for War Prowse. I don't think the Alvarez Suchek midfield works as well. Um, well that's, too, that's too defensive, surely. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably a little bit of work in progress, but um, I thought he was just a safe pair of hands, War Prowse. I thought, you know. You know, you know, going into every game with him, like we felt with Declan Rice, and but obviously he's not as good as Declan Rice. But you always felt going into a game with Declan Rice midfield, you knew you okay. Well, he's going to make sure everything's covered. He's not going to put a foot wrong. You know, he's going to put a, a seven out of ten minimum every single game. And I feel like that with James Will Prowse, and obviously he put in a higher than a seven out of ten yesterday in his debut. But you know, even on a bad day, he's still putting a, a, a decent performance. So I think I think he proved it. I think I think it's proved that thirty million quid's an absolute steal. If I'm honest, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Look, I, 
I'm always happy to be wrong about these sort of things, particularly when I'm voicing negative or uh, fearful opinions. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And I hope he, he sort of pushes on. He's, he's closing in on David Beckham's Premier League free kick record. I think he, is it true, he equals it with his next one? And then his next one, he the one after it. that, I think. Yeah. yeah, and he's desperate to do it as well. He said it, didn't he, in his yeah. interview. Um, he, yeah. He's got his eye on that record. So, you, you can yeah, yeah. bet he's scoring at least a couple. Yeah, happy days. That'd be great. Everyone loves to see a direct free kick. Yeah, what a debut that is. And uh, um, yeah, Jordan mentioned it there, James, just just briefly. What did you make of sort of the atmosphere? The the Conference League trophy was on display before and Moisey was actually saying in the build-up, he's not wasn't too keen on it. He wants to move on. But um, what did you make of the atmosphere and the attitude towards towards David Moyes and the team? I thought the atmosphere was good. Obviously, it helps. London Derby, it's always a little bit fiery. Fans are a lot more up for it. Obviously, first time game of the season as well. The weather was Sunday good. Sunday games so can be dodgy though, mood. can't it? Yeah, but the sun was shining. It was hot. It was very, very hot in the stadium. Um, and just, people just naturally were a little bit happier in, in those environments. And obviously, for, for me, fans, first time getting over there again since the, since the, the final. So, the atmosphere was good. Um, it got a little bit ropey after we'd gone one new up. Everyone was still buzzing, but immediately we just just dropped back and invited Chelsea onto us, and then Chelsea started getting on top. Obviously, get the equaliser, and in fact, you could you could feel it. Fans a little bit like, oh well, well that was fun while it lasted, sort of thing. Like we knew that was going to happen. Hmm. Um, there was a few frustrated um, fans at that point, but the way we come out in the second half really felt like, yeah, actually, no, they're, they're, they're going to go for this. Okay, there are going to be times in the game where they're going to have to sit back. They're going to have to soak up the pressure. Like we said earlier, yeah. we're better without the ball. Um, but the fans definitely contributed to it. And see when Antonio breaks through, the, the roar for that goal was was pretty loud, to be to be fair. Probably out of mm. complete surprise that he's, he's hit it so well. <laughs> um, yeah. But, and yeah, the, overall... Certainly, I'm putting up there's one of the best atmospheres that I've seen up there. I've seen, obviously, we've seen a few of me and you have been, <laughs> been at odds a few times over what one yeah. can, but um, certainly a, a good and happy day at London Stadium in Stratford. Um, yeah. very loud, yeah, lovely, mate, lovely. Um, Naya Fagued scores great goal, really grown into a player, one of the first names on the team sheet. West Ham fans got real affinity with him. Then he gets sent off. First yellow was for a cynical foul. I think he'll only miss one game because it was two yellows, which is handy. Um, and then he obviously gets the red for slide tackle, which to be fair, more zealous referees could have given that as a red on its own, really. Um, but we we looked fine afterwards, really, didn't we? Obviously, a bit backs against the wall, but we, we played it out well. What did you make of his performance and, and both of those key moments? Well, I think, I think my only concern with him missing a game, especially the Brighton game, is that uh, he he's the pace at the back for us. And we're, we're going to be missing that against the, against the team that has a little bit of pace in attack. That's my concern. Obviously, if Mavrapanos comes in, he's, he he has got a little bit of pace, so maybe that might just plug a gap. You can't expect much from him on his on his first game. Does um, he play straight away? You think? Well, I, th- I think I mean, I would prefer that than Ogbonna because Ogbonna is not not fast enough anymore. Hmm. Now you 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 wouldn't bet against Ogbonna in aerial duels. He win every he'd win every header, and he'll you know make the odd interception. But when he's 
having to run back and he's chasing an attacker, then he's got absolutely no chance against someone like Matoma or something like that. So, or Joe Pedro. Mm. That's my concern is that, okay, he deserved the two yellows. No complaints about that, but we're now missing uh, our quickest centre-half and I'd say probably our best centre-half. I think he's fantastic Um, in a game where we're probably going to need him most. Uh, and he did feel it when he came. Obviously, they brought Bonner on. He brought Bonner on for, I think it was Ben Rama, was hooked for it. And you could instantly see that the dynamics of our, defend, uh, our defending changed very, very quickly. Mm. Um, and Chelsea looked a lot more likely to probably get another goal because they just, you know, Mudrick was offering a little bit of pace down the mm. left. Um, you know, Raheem Sterling was causing all sorts of bother on that right hand side. Yeah. So, that's my only concern with losing him for a game. But if we can get this other guy in, then then hopefully that just plugs a gap. But again, yeah. I mean, what does that mean for? I mean, I don't know how. What is is he going to switch to five at the back now? Once we've got all these centre halves coming in, it looks know. like it's what's going to happen. Um, well, I don't know if this is working pretty well. You have an idea, but well, does he does he play carer then? If you're worried about pace as centre back against Brighton, potentially. But then Carey's not really got the height. True, is he? Not... They're not massive at out front. No, but if you if you're thinking about corners and that, you know, you've, you've got Caro, you've got someone like Lewis Dunk flying in. Yeah, you want you want yeah, as many big men up in the box as possible. So yeah, yeah Tommy Suchek, Zuma, Alvarez, maybe. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Well, look, um, yeah, the what else have we got then? Yeah, yeah, the penalty save recovered. Lucas Paqueta. What did you make of that whole situation then? We haven't really covered it off. Obviously, the way the situation stands at the moment is that he's been investigated, or there is, sorry, not he's been investigated. There is an investigation ongoing, um, a betting-related investigation, which appears to have thwarted any potential move to Manchester City. Uh, I'm led to believe anyway that there was an approach um, of around 65 million was the initial one and then it all went quiet whether or not the two things are related but they had gone quiet before um, certainly the story came out about the betting irregularities and yeah the suggestions are at the moment and these are reports of course that bets were placed overseas in Brazil um, by though people close to Paqueta, some suggestions that um, it's his brother. But again, we've got to be very careful with that at the moment because they are just reports and, and suggestions. Lucas Paqueta denies and has made it clear that he's never placed any bets himself. Um, yeah, there is an investigation ongoing at the moment. So I would say... Um, just this is a sort of an opinion thing based on what I've read and what I'm aware of is that that's certainly any transfer to Man City this window I think is is a no-go probably because of that um, and there is an investigation ongoing. Um, I'm led to believe, I understand that there's more than one um, betting company that in, involved. Obviously, the stories that have been released so far initially from reports coming out of Brazil was that new accounts were set up with Betway, West Ham shirt sponsor, 
Um, and that spy I'm led to believe that uh, there are more than one betting company who sort of not been hit, but you know who were were involved, were used, were used, not involved. Um, uh, but yeah, so obviously you got to be careful at the moment. A bit of a uh, tricky. Tricky situation. Um, all the appropriate authorities have been notified, which is sort of you know how this uh, how this process has come out. There's a process in place which is ongoing at the moment. But what did you make of of that, Jonesy? David Moyes said afterwards he hasn't really spoken to um, you know Paquetta about it. He's not that sort of bloke. You could sort of tell it seemed to me in his celebration, a bit of relief there after he puts the penalty away. Class penalty. He's such a Rolls Royce of a player. Um, what do you make of you know the sort of situation, what it means for for West Ham, and and how he reacted and played off the back of that at the weekend? Well, obviously it's uh, it's not a good situation to be in. You know, you uh, arguably our best player being investigated for something like that, um, and what the ramifications of that are down the line, potentially. Um, and when it first, when those reports first surfaced. You know, this part you're going, cool, at least that means he's not going to Man City. But then the other half's like, well, what does that do to him, his morale, um, his ability to perform when he's got that hanging over his head? Is he going to be annoyed that all of this, if, uh, especially if it's he's found that he's done nothing wrong, leads to uh, collapsing you know, a move to a place where he's a club where he's going to win a lot of titles? And what's that going to do to his mood? His um, his willingness to perform for for the club and want to play for the club, and obviously it's not the club making these accusations and the investigation. Obviously, it's the FA. But I was concerned that it would have a lot, it would have a lot of knock on effects to the Lucas Paquette that we've that we've grown to quite enjoy watching play every every single week. I think it's been fantastic the last what, six seven months for us. He was brilliant against Chelsea. Um, and it was that performance against Chelsea which which made me think, actually, no, this this is actually going to work in our favour. Obviously, we need to see what the outcome of the investigation is, but the the move to Man City is now collapsed, we're led to believe. It doesn't look like that's going to be rekindled this window. He proved against Chelsea that he, regardless of what's going on off the pitch, he's still going to give 100%, 100%. He still cares. It wasn't just his celebration for his goal. The way he celebrated the other two goals with the rest of the squad shows that he absolutely wants to give 100% for this football club. And he clearly enjoys playing for us. Um, yes, he had his head turned. I know you hate that phrase, but he's had his head turned by Man City. Uh, but who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Um, How many he's degree? Still, he's still uh, 90. Do you think a, a full lot. 90? God, yeah, blimey. That's quite yeah. a lot. That's like when you're looking, I mean, that's it, looking straight back over your spine, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, it's ninety degrees. Sorry, that's only a quarter of a turn, isn't it? Well, he's that's looking. He's looking, he's looking like next to him, going cool. So that's a nice looking football club over there. That's not a full a full head turn. It's three sixty though, isn't it? So ninety. Yeah, yeah. Like a nine, yeah, but a ninety still a ninety still a. The, the fact of, it's only ninety degrees though because he's still playing. He's still playing for us. He's still playing well. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he's yeah. Clear, okay, clearly yeah. showing that he wants to play for us. His celebration, yeah. way he celebrate the other two goals, his performance against Chelsea. His performance against uh, Bournemouth as well. Um, and if anything, the way that he's conducted himself throughout this whole thing, before those the investigation started, um, yeah. but even throughout this whole Man City thing, 
um, has made me love the bloke even more. Because a lot of players, whether anyone likes it or not, a lot of players, the moment they find out Man City are interested, they push for a move. They want to get out when they're playing for clubs like West Ham. They want yep. to get out. And he and I, maybe it's wrong for me to say, but I half expected him to do that. And I probably wouldn't have blamed him. What, uh, as he, in, what, throw your toys out the pram sort of thing? Almost throw, maybe not so much throw your toys out the pram, but really push for it and go, look, I want to go. Yeah. But instead he's gone, yeah, I've been interested in signing for Man City, but I respect the club's position. I respect yeah, the yeah, club's yeah. valuation of me. And in yeah. the meantime, I'll continue to perform. Um, and I'll give my everything for the football club and I'll play every single mm. game as if, you know, um, as if this isn't happening. Yeah. And I've got a lot of respect for him for that. And I love yeah. him even more for that. And, you know, if he has, a, if he doesn't go and he has a great season, he's going to go for 85 million quid next summer. And we'll go, mm. thanks very much, Lucas. We've made, what, 30, 40 million pound profit on you. Happy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, funny, it's good for it? everyone then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just interesting how it it almost appears that that I'm already thinking oh, 85 million that's that's a bargain like that's a bargain for it is. to come and snatch him up it is but now we had this conversation with friends yesterday before the game and they're going well but what if man city come in with 88 million this this summer it's yeah. like well, well the, yeah okay then you sell him because there's no guarantee you're going to sell him for 85 million next summer yeah. the fact is that doesn't look like it's on the table anymore so we're going to have him for another year or at least another 6 months Mm. And then we'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully you obviously get value out of him then. Yeah, totally agree, mate. Totally agree. Look, all in all, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant win at uh, London Stadium at the weekend. It puts a sixth, um, just level on points. Goal difference, goal scored with Tottenham in fifth. Um, Liverpool are in, in the top four with uh yeah with their victory and and then a point they've got same goal difference as us as well same points have scored more goals no they haven't scored more goals than we have they've they're exactly the same they've scored four and two we're basically james we're basically in the top four um but we're only sixth on alphabetical order so yeah we're basically a, a top four side now more points than newcastle uh, one of only six unbeaten teams in the premier league great win um, unfortunately, it's Brighton next. They're bringing us all crashing back down to earth. And in honour of that, we will speak to Joe Sayers from the Albion Obsessed podcast next. So I'm delighted to say that joining us on the We Are Sir podcast for the very first time is Joe Sayers from the Albion Obsessed podcast to look ahead to West Ham's game with the Seagulls at the Amex Saturday evening, 5.30. And James Jones, look, Joe, just, just before we, we welcome you and, and, and say hello and all that sort of stuff, we're going to front up about it now, okay? That we ha- we hate Brighton. We don't hate their fans. We don't hate the way the, the club are run or many of their players, really. Certainly now Glenn Murray's left. But we just hate Brighton because, Jonesy, just, just fill us in on, on the stats quickly before we even hear a word from Joe. We need to vent and then we'll just so we, he knows where we're coming at. Okay, so we, we last beat Brighton in April 2012. It was that 6-0 win. Uh, in the championship. Um, since then, since Brighton were promoted, uh, we've now played them 12 times. We've won 
we've beaten them zero times. Um, we went through a period of drawing six in a row, but we've lost our last three. So it's played 12, won none, drawn six, lost six, scored 12, conceded 26. <laughs> um, never kept a clean sheet against Brighton in the Premier League era. Uh, it's that's no, this is obviously Joe, don't don't feel like I'm disrespecting you or your football club, no, here. but it's it's quite a ridiculous record. Like you normally, you, you normally, okay, if we'd have beaten them once, it'd be like, okay, we've beaten them once, but to go 12 games without beating Brighton, um, we haven't even gone to, you know, we, we beat Tottenham or Man United Manchester or Liverpool City. more regularly than, yeah. than that. Chelsea, and you normally yeah. get one win out of 12, but to, to go 12 games without being any Premier League team is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so it's just getting, it's getting, becoming a little bit, it's no longer funny. Let's put it that way. It isn't funny anymore, yeah. Look, Joe, talk to us then, because, you know, we we are aware, I think there is even a Brighton podcast called Teams Like Brighton. We are aware (laughs) that Brighton fans don't like this narrative. We had a barrage of comments on one of our YouTube videos the last couple of seasons, and it genuinely isn't like a patronising, disrespectful thing at all. It is exactly what James has said then. It's just mathematically odd, like on the balance of probabilities over such a long period and so many games. You should just get one fluky win and all that. Um, what, what, uh, how do you feel about it all from uh, from a seagull's perspective? Because I'm sure you just sit there laughing at us all, thinking, <laughs> "Yeah, well, cheers for the three points, lads. Just shut up." <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we've got West Ham. That's a at least a guaranteed point. Um, so <laughs> we'll come away from there relatively happy. But um, I believe in like football hoodoos right and last season we played you um at the Amex and, and won um quite convincingly but you had Danny Ings in the squad and Danny Ings is inevitable against Brighton he he normally always scores so I was thinking right what hoodoo is going to outweigh what hoodoo um and surprisingly enough the the Brighton hoodoo against West Ham seems to be that strong that it outweighs that um <laughs> But it's it's just one of those crazy stats where it's like, how how is that happening? Because obviously when we got promoted, um, I think we beat you um, beat you in the first, uh, oh, not first away game, but when we played you away um, and then drew at the Amex later that season and, and our squad wasn't good at all. And especially the next season, our squad was, was far from, from good. Um, so... It's just one of those things where it's like the more it's gone on, the, the I know you guys say it's not funny anymore, but the more it goes on for us, the funnier it gets. <laughs> it's like, we got West Ham this weekend. That'll be, that'll be right then. Um, but yeah, obviously, yeah. then what, watching you guys uh, yesterday, um, I I'm not gonna buy into the hoodoo really and and say yeah, it's gonna be a guaranteed win, a guaranteed point because you played really well yesterday, um, and it's gonna be a, a a really really good test, I think. West Ham, I know you've lost Declan Rice, but I think maybe you, you, you look a little bit stronger without him, strangely. Um so I'm yeah, I, I'm I'm not as confident as maybe you would uh, paint me to be. Listen, I mean it's been two games in the season. Obviously, that four points from those two, we would have definitely taken that at the beginning. We'd have thought it'd have been the other way around, a victory at Bournemouth and then a point at Chelsea. But Obviously, great win at the weekend makes it all look a little bit rosier. I think time will tell if we turn out to be a better team without Declan Rice in it or not. I, I'm not sure. But look, I mean, 
if ever the, if, if you, it's so not funny anymore that record. But if ever there was a, it's daunting enough all the time to play Brian as it is. But just to rub salt in the wounds, you're top of the table, six points after two games, eight goals scored, two against victories over Luton on the first game of the season at home, and then a demolition of Wolves at Molyneux on Saturday, both victories by four goals to one. I mean, Roberto, everyone's sort of, you know, wax lyrical about Brighton under Graham Potter. Roberto deserves he's taking you to another level. He's really likeable. And I mean, it must be it must be dreamland for you. I think, correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I think the stats guy at work said the other day that this is the first time Brighton have ever been top of the top flight. Is that, is that correct? I mean, um, I might be wrong with that. I think but... it's the the first time we've been top of the Premier League for a whole day. I think we've been oh, right. top like whilst games have been playing before like last season yeah. we, we were top for like 20 minutes and it was yeah. the best 20 minutes of my life. Um, so <laughs> now sitting there speaking to you guys whilst we're top of the Premier League, albeit after two games, obviously I don't want to get too carried away um, after beating Luton and Wolves who, who obviously are, I would say, um, on paper weaker than us. Um, so... It's going to be a, another big test this weekend. Um, and I wouldn't be overly fooled by the results either because we've had some really sticky moments um, in those games. Um, and I think had we been playing teams, and again, no disrespect to these teams, but with a little bit more quality, they would have killed us off. Um, Wolves had ample chances um, on Saturday. Luton had quite a few chances on the break. And had they been a little bit more clinical, I think we would have been talking about a completely different result. Um, and it's just the fact that I don't know how Deserby's done it, but he's turned Solly March into a goal scoring machine. Um, yeah. We seem to be scoring every shot we have, um, and it's absolute dreamland for us. So the longer this continues, the happier I'll be. But um, I, I don't think um, we should be overly. Um, confident because there are a lot of plugs to be filled, um, sort of holes to be plugged um, in the team. And and I think West Ham have more quality than the previous two opponents to exploit those. Joe, what, what are the weaknesses then at Brighton? Because I've, I've, I've looked at your track. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> like, I've looked at the business and, you know, again, another transfer window, you've lost... Two two star players in McAllister and Casido. Who Casido? I reckon you've had Chelsea's pants down there, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, what like, performance yesterday from him? To be uh, fair, class, like, absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, hundred fifty million, million pounds. Thank mil. you very much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, we'll probably. I've, I've got a question about him in a minute, but um, you've lost your two players. You've obviously bought in. You bought in a few as well. Joe Pedro, James Milner. I think James Milner is a good signing, just purely for experience, and you know you're just going to get fitness out of him constantly um but where are the weaknesses then because i look at brighton bat- battering teams all over the shop at the moment and going well surely there's not a great deal for david morris to look at and go that's what we're going to do to Brighton. that's where we're exploiting uh, uh, at the weekend uh i think believe it or not our midfield is weak um i think if if if, if it's pascal gross and a Moda Hood double pivot, I think West Ham can definitely exploit that with your quality in midfield. Um, and I think that's where a lot of games are won and lost is in the midfield. So I think if, if West Ham can overload us there um, and, and get us on the counter with, with a few of your um, attacking threats, then I, I think you stand a good chance to hurt us. 
Um, but other than that, I, I can't really give many more weaknesses because our defenders, Purvis Estupinian, Lewis Dunk, um, Joel Veltman, um, Van Heck, like all of these guys that can come in and, and, and fill the 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 Kukurea hole, fill the um, Levi Colwell uh, role as well. We've got so many players ready and waiting to just step up to the plate and, and luckily they've all done it so far. Um, but as I say, I think our midfield needs um, one or two additions after losing McAllister and Caicedo. On Caicedo then, just quickly, um, at one season in the Premier League, you bought him for four million quid, um, something like that anyway, and you signed him for 150 million quid. He's not worth 150 million pounds, is he? Like, no. genuinely not. <laughs> like, I don't I don't see... I, I, I think he's a good player. Good player. We, we've sat there and we've watched Declan Rice over the last six, six years and within mm-hmm. three years knew he's going to be a £100 million player eventually. Goes for £105 yeah. million pound in the summer. No one batted an eyelid. Everyone went, yeah, fine. What surprised me was not many people batted an eyelid at the £115 million fee for Casido. And kind of, I'm like, hang on, he's only had one year in the Premier League. Mm. I, mean, I it's, did. It's a, Bright, a Brighton fans going, Brighton fans going, happy days. This is a... We're I... A- I think we're I think we were we were happy to accept a hundred because I think the longevity of of Declan Rice, yes, I agree, might put his value over Caicedo, but comparing the two when they played against each other last season, I I think Moises Caicedo, there were levels above Declan Rice in, in in the battle. Not over the season, but in the battle between the two players. And I think that's where Brighton fans were maybe drawing their valuation from. And I think where the owners of Brighton were drawing their valuation from, they were seeing Declan Rice go for 105. They were seeing Enzo Fernandez, who's never played mm. a game in the Premier League, go for over 100. And it's like that position, that defensive midfield position is so sought after that really we could have set any price we wanted. And the fact that we've got £150 million, 15 of that being add-ons, obviously, um, we're absolutely over the moon with it. I I would have, at a push, accepted 95 towards the end of the window if he was desperate to leave. Uh, but the fact that we've got £20 million over that, I mean, we, we've done it again. Uh, it, it's mm. insane. £4 million, as you say, we signed him for. Man United could have signed him for five. Um, but they didn't want to pay the extra million. Um, we've got the guy, and then in in less, less than eighteen months, we've made one hundred and eleven million pound profit on him. Yeah, it's, it's, abs- it's absolutely mad, isn't it? I mean, what, what's it like, Joe, supporting a club where you have faith in how it's run? Um, I think it's it gives us a lot of comfort, to be honest. Um, I've I've spoken to Tony Bloom a couple of times, and and the way he speaks oh, really? about the football club is um, just not not on a, on a podcast level, but like just like meeting him outside just personal, the ground, just mates, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah just just get, his house. Phone. All right, Tony, I'm on this podcast <laughs> yeah. with West Ham at the moment. You got anything? To say? <laughs> um, no, but like um, I've met him like at fan forums, etc. Um, and the way he speaks about the club, it's like it's like a love affair. He just absolutely mm. adores it. Um, and you just know that a, a guy that adores the club so much will not let it ruin. He will yeah. he will want everything to go well. And his if he dad, sees, was the owner or chairman before as well? Was so he? yeah, it, it, it's, it's gone. It's gone through three generations of of blooms. So his dad was on the directors' board. His granddad was on the directors' board. 
Um, and also his uncle is still, I believe, on the director's board. Um, whether he's retired or not, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a, a crazy thing to watch this guy take over, build us a stadium, build us a new training facility and not expect anything back for it and just do it because mm. he loves his football club. And it's exactly what you would do as a fan, isn't it? If, if I was a billionaire, I would be all over it. I would have mm. the best people by my side. So you're not then, to clarify? No, I am definitely not a billionaire. Oh, right. Far yeah, from it. I wish I was. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, 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 any fan that absolutely adores their club would love to be in Tony Bloom's position. And he's doing what any of us would do. Um, and he's just propelling his club to the next level, to the next level, to the next level, because that's what he wants. He doesn't want us to falter and, and go back down to the championship and, and have a payday. He wants to see this football club be the best it can possibly be. And who knows where that could go. Yeah, quite. I mean, yeah, it's just, I think it's brilliant. And he's clearly like, he's literally a genius, isn't he? Like that, he, the, the way he's made his money and stuff, he is actually not a football genius, an actual genius. I think what he's done is he's surrounded himself with the correct people and the right people. And I think, again, to, to if you was in that same position um, and had that nous about you, you would do the same. You would have mm. the best businessmen, you would have the best financial advisors possible. Um, and it's it's no sort of shade on, on Tony Bloom as, as a person, but I think he's just surrounded himself with the best possible people, as well as, you know, making his millions in, in poker and, and property management, etc. Um, and fair play to him. I'm, I mean, he must be absolute quids in now with, with Brighton doing so well and obviously reaching Europe and who knows where that could go as well. So we're, it's it's a weird one because... As you say, 11 years ago, we were in the championship losing 6-0 to you guys. And the evolution of this football club over those last 11 years has been unlike anything I've ever known. Um, and I don't know how long it can continue for. Everyone's saying, oh, you're the next Leicester, you're the next Southampton, you'll be faltering within a season's time because you keep selling your best players. But you know what? We've probably got another one or two players that we will sell for a hundred million pounds in our squad mm. in a yeah. year's time and then reinvest that money. So do you know what? I, th I think we're much more well run than Southampton and Leicester I are, totally or agree. have ever been. Um, so I'm not sat here worrying about that. We, we could be financially ruined in, in a few years time because we're, we're looking absolutely rosy and, and things are, are, are great. So, um, but then I could have egg on my face in a year's time after we get relegated. But yeah, yeah, way. quite, quite. I mean, <laughs> look, uh, I totally agree with you, to be honest. I think Southampton, I just feel, got lucky, maybe, mm. with a couple of, obviously, mm. Virgil van Dijk, Gareth Bale, once in a generation sort of um, sort of talent, a couple of other, I'm trying to think who else, uh, a couple Luke of other Shaw, big, yeah, Adam Lallana, yeah. Yeah, big money mm. exports, but you just... They, theirs felt unsustainable, didn't it? When they just kept doing it season in, season out. And what they didn't do, it seems, unlike Tony Bloom, what he did with Caicedo when he wanted to go to Arsenal was go, no, this is what he's worth to us. If you don't want to pay it, don't pay it. And you'll stay here for another six months, mate, or another season. Uh, but I think the key part to it is that your whole scouting network and, and what you're targeting in young players just seems absolutely like world leading almost and mm. it, for every play like you say you lose Caicedo you lose McAllister and 
they're just one of the you just, one of the craziest things for me. Who'd was, heard of Matoma before? Right, you know exactly. Mean? One of the craziest things for me was um, I was listening to a podcast with Paul Barber um, a couple of years ago or a year ago, um, and um, he was saying that when Brighton got promoted to the Premier League, we had less than ten scouts worldwide. Now we have over two hundred and fifty all over the world. Yeah. Um, and and that's where we're we're leading um, a lot of clubs in in the scout. And I think people are becoming wise to it. I think every player that we're getting linked to at the moment, there's links to them: Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, because they're wising up to it, and and they absolutely will do. But there will be areas of the world that we're covering that that they're not looking at, like when we went to Japan and picked up Karu Matoma for for pennies, and and then he's come in and. He's now probably a 60, 70 million pound player. Um, I mean, I don't know if you saw his goal against Wolves, but it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and we've yeah. got such an incredible talent on our hands within CISO, Ferguson, Jao Pedro, I could name the whole lot. Um, so it's very exciting times. Josh, looking ahead to the weekend then, I know you said that you, you might be a little bit nervous, um, but... How do you think it's going to go? Not true, though, is it, James? I, I, I always am. Honestly, I, I don't care who we're playing. We were playing Luton first game of the season. I was nervous. Um, and again, there's no disrespect to Luton. We've been in their same position. Um, but I, I'm not. I, I watched Brighton. I've watched Brighton. You know, in League One, I've watched Brighton lose to so many different teams that I can't quite grasp where we are. So I'm just always nervous to play whatever game. <laughs> so how do you see it going then? Um, I think it'll be the toughest test we've had so far. Um, I think a lot of people were saying that about Wolves after their performance against Man United. Um, but I think Man United over the last two games have been absolutely awful. Um, so I don't think it was much to to measure them on. Um, Chelsea obviously performed well against Liverpool, so I thought West Ham might have a really tough test, but you proved to to overcome the waves in, in yesterday's game and, and get your noses in front, even with 10 men. So that's that's no mean feat as well. Um, so I'm expecting a really tough battle all the way across the pitch. Um, but obviously, I, I hope that we can come out on top. And uh, I, I think it'll be, it'll be tight either way. I think I'll probably say like a, a, a 2-1 win for Brighton. I don't think it's going to be easy at all. Okay, you take a two-one win for Brighton now, Jonesy, wouldn't you? Yeah, you keep the garbage <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Look, Joe, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast for the first time. I, again, it, it, it's a funny, it's a funny thing, really. And I would be the same as as Brighton fans, just thinking um, it's absolutely hilarious watching West Ham fans get more and more wound up as the years rumble. I don't on. know I what channel. Like, I don't know what West Ham channel it was on, but last year we um, got called a beach. Um, <laughs> why, you, you, we're losing to a beach. And it's like, well, that beach has some pretty good seagulls on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true, mate. That is true. Yeah, I just, um, yeah. I, I mean, Jonesy, what do you think the score's going to be? What's the, what's the, I mean, the best we can hope for is a, a one-all draw, isn't it? And even then well, I'll be annoyed. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at the record now, and there's been a slight pattern over the twelve games. So we lost the first three meetings against Brighton, then drew six, and then we've lost the last three. So three six so three. So we drew a draw. We drew another six, six draw. draw. So I'm, I'm going for a draw. I'm going. There be goals in it. I think it'll be a two all draw at the weekend. I'm just following the pattern. You can't argue with the pattern. No. So that's what's going to happen. Yeah. No. Fair. Is it? 
It's been, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think, right? The last time we beat Brighton, I was 20. I'm, th- I'm nearly 32. <laughs> I've like basically had my whole adulthood since we, I do like those memes that come up on social media and stuff, things that have happened since West Ham last beat Brighton. We've moved stadiums, James. We would like say goodbye to an old stadium. We had three years at the old stadium after playing Brighton last time. Then move. What have you achieved in 13 years, Jonesy? Uh, no. Sorry, uh, was it eleven years? What personally? Well, yeah, you've had a kid, haven't you? I've had a kid, got married, got married, bought, bought a house, <laughs> rented that house out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, moved again, yeah. moved yeah, again. Yeah. yeah, I've had three different jobs. Yeah, just that we've lived in about eight different houses all since we beat Brighton and Hove Albion. But yeah, worth noting, Joe. Again, it isn't a patronising thing. I think what you're doing this season, the way the the clubs run, generally the football you're playing, Deserby is absolute. I love Deserby. I think he's absolutely brilliant manager. He's great such a character as well. Absolutely love yeah. him. That's great stuff. Mad respect for Brighton. I think a lot of it probably comes from, you know, lots of football clubs will say Brighton are the envy of, uh, of lots of football fans up and down the country at the moment. And really, everyone wants them to do well because you want to give it to the big six. You know, who do you, what do you prefer? A proper well-run club by a guy who's, you know, made his money on his own, who just loves the by club. By the way, well. one, of, one of the big six, one of the big six finishing 12th last year. So, yeah. Exactly. Even yeah, even yeah. with spending a billion pounds, so yeah, well done, Chelsea. Go. Top work. Yeah, exactly, mate. Look, mad mad respect to Brighton. Really appreciate you coming on, Joe. Hope to speak to you again later in the season. Uh, Jonesy, give us a scoreline then before we let Joe go. Two all. Two all. Uh, I don't know whether to just predict the Brighton victory, so it's less annoying. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to make no difference either way, though, will is it? No, but well, I'm going to say six all. Just because Six at least all. it might be an exciting game. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, Joe there. Exactly, exactly. Joe Sayers there from the Albion Obsessed podcast. Appreciate you coming on the We Are West Ham podcast. Stick with us because we'll have the Betway Charity Bets next for some final thoughts from me and Jonesy. And we'll say goodbye for another week. So, Jonesy, Betway Charity bets them raising money for the GT38 Foundation and the Bobby Moore Fund this season. Thanks to our partnership with Betway. We didn't have any winners last week. I had Lucas Paqueta to score, Thomas Suchek to score and both teams to score. Um, Yeah, pretty close. That was 80 to one. Paqueta got on the score sheet, two out of three legs. Pretty unlucky. Um, Yeah, and obviously we had the Aguered. Goal, so I fancy we'd be dangerous from set pieces. But yeah, unfortunate not to get that one over the line. You were a little bit further away than me. Yours was 150 to 1, was it? Yeah, 150 to 1. I had the draw. Barron's had two shots on target, which didn't happen. And Zuma's had one headed shot on target. And I was weighing up Zuma or Alvarez. Mm. Um, and I didn't even consider Aguirre. Oh, Aguirre, do you mean? Yeah. So- Oh, so, sorry, yeah, because yeah, I, I was thinking Alvarez because he scored a few headed goals for Ajax last year, but didn't know he was going to play. Yeah. But didn't consider Aguirre, so kicking kick myself a little bit, but I wasn't anywhere near. So I'm 51, no. but I wasn't close at all. Fair play, mate. This week, uh, I'm going to need your... I was going to ask for your help. Uh, I'd written down over 6.5 corners, both teams to score, and I'd written Ogbonna goal because I've won heavy with Ogbonna before. But then chatting to you about whether you think he'll play or not at a weekend is sort of cast out over my aspersions. I am going for 
um, an aerial a set piece goal. So I've changed it from Ogbonna to Zuma. So my bet is over 6.5 corners. Kurt Zuma to score any time and both teams to score. What are you going with? Well, I'm going over two and a half goals and Rama to score any time. Oh, go away. Scored his first goal for the club against Brighton at the MX. So just thinking along those lines. Uh, and he hasn't scored for shit this season. Uh, and I'm also going to go James Ward-Prowse, one shot on target. James Ward-Prowse, one shot on target. Love it. Don't forget you can back those bets yourself close to the time. Keep an eye on our social media because when the odds go live, James posts those graphics up later in the week and you can back them yourself for real on the Betway website and app. Just go to pre-built bets and search for the We Are West Ham selections as you will be able to see any winnings we get. Um, I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James is playing for the DT38 Foundation. Any winnings we get from these bets, Betway give us a £50 charity stake each week. Any winnings go to those charities and Betway match our winnings at the end of the season. So, yeah, just half a chance. Uh, I've noticed that neither of us have gone for a West Ham win in our bets because, of course, we never, ever, ever beat Brighton. But with James Ward-Prowse, uh, bursting onto the scene, a Zuma goal and a shot on target from the former Southampton man are both included in mine and Jonesy's bets. Uh, so, yeah, keep your eye on those and stay with us because we have some final thoughts from me and Jonesy next. So there we have it, Jonesy, another show in the bag, another week under the belt, another podcast recorded and put out to the world and weirdly and very surprisingly another three points in the bag for West Ham United the first of the season a spectacular way to kick off the Premier League campaign with a 3-1 win at home to Chelsea decent podcast that Jordan Davis West Ham correspondent for the Sun and Joe from Albion Obsessed podcast joining us too Great guests. Half decent bit of chatter from me and you. What on earth more can the We Are West Ham podcast listeners ask for, eh? Yeah, great. Great episode. Uh, I always find that the best episodes always come after a win, which is surprising. Well, I'm not um, so sure. Yeah, no. I think we've done some of our best stuff when we're moaning. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, you're probably right. But no, it was good. Good result. Good episode. Really good. Interesting discussions. Um, but yeah, I'm really, I really feel like I've already seen on Twitter that there's a lot of fans still going, yeah, it was a good win, but style of football still not great. It's boring. The other. boring. Um, mostly the Moyes out brigade. And, um, just think, I've been thinking a lot about that and I, I do genuinely feel like results like this one should make a lot of people sit back and go, well, perhaps it's not as bad as we, we thought it was. Mm. Okay, the, maybe the transfer I'm, maybe window. I'm a Wally. The transfer window's been frustrating. Still is to an extent. We've got a couple of good players in. Um, still painfully short in some areas of the squad, and hopefully that gets fixed over the next ten days. But um, it's I don't think it's, like that performances like that and results like that suggest that it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, style of play people will moan about, but if the result, if the end result is the same but just a less attractive style of play. I mean, it's not a bad trade-off to have, really, is it? So You know what? No, and I would be a complete hypocrite if I totally agreed with you there because that's what Sam Allardyce used to say, right? 
And I'm sorry, but it's not as bad. People talk about David Moyes as if he is a Tony Pulis, Sam Allardyce sort of manager. He isn't. He's not yeah. at all. He's a bit more counter-attacking, maybe, and he's willing to let the opposition have the ball more. But there's very few, you know, there's no, like, long balls up it up to John Carew or Carlton Cole, whoever it was that was up front when Allardyce was in charge. There's none of that. You know, it, it, we've played some of our best football under, under David Moyes. It's been most enjoyable to watch. I appreciate there's some concerns about substitutions, but it's, it's just so much more than what people reduce the argument to a lot of the time, or certainly the Moyes Out Brigade. Um, and I think we've done a good job of highlighting, you know, negatives and rooms for improvement when they're clearly there and obvious. But I, I just think there's so much more to it. I, I think, you know, one or two fluky results when he really needs them, you go, oh, blimey, fair enough. That was a bit lucky. But like the amount of time, the amount of occasions he's pulled a result out of the bag when the pressure's just cranking up a little bit, either on him or the team, or whether the position in the table's looking a little bit hairy, it's time and time and time again. That is a pattern. And to do that, that's so much more. There's so much more of the mental side of the game, isn't there? And listen, you know, it's undeniable that some that a lot of the players in the squad have really been playing for David Moyes because you don't get performances like that or like we've seen over the past three years without players putting in effort. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying everyone's universally happy. Um, and there's obviously problems with Skamaka and, and Haller before, but, you know, that's as much style as, as anything else perhaps. And Aaron Cresswell's obviously had a problem recently, but he's had no problem prior to these recent sort of moanings or the recent situation that's occurred. And that happens in every squad. There's, you know, arguments and, and what have you in, in every squad. And I just think, you know, it, it's what you almost get painted right in at the moment, don't you? And, and perhaps a bit last season as well, where if you don't vociferously shout and swear and think that David Moyes is the worst thing ever and he should immediately leave our club, if you don't do that, you think he's God. And I, I just don't think that's true. I think there's he, he's achieved some amazing things for our football club. That doesn't mean he's perfect or that there's not rooms for improvement. But I think holistically and overall, the position the football club's in, and you can see it like even after all the negative chatter over the summer, that performance against the Chelsea side who cost all that money to put together and looked dangerous and good, the reason you give yourself a chance, I know we said that it could have gone the other way, but the reason you give yourself a chance for it going our way is because there's an underlying level of battle and fight and hard work there. And you don't get that if people completely hate the manager or he's a complete, you know, decrepit at, um, at uh, like the mental side of, of squad preparation and managing the squad, you know? No, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, I just, I just feel like there's a lot. There's still a lot of, a lot of people going. Yeah, well, you know, it's a good win, but and it's like, okay, yeah, it could have been better. There were times across that ninety minutes where it was pretty bad. Um, the, that's and, football, isn't it? Like, but at the end of the day, over the course of the ninety minutes, we scored more goals than Chelsea. We won the game. Mm. It wasn't mm. like you said at the very beginning as bad as we witnessed it. 
uh, for long periods of Sam Allardyce's reign. Avram Grant. Avram Grant, you know. And the fact is, is that, yeah, okay, the style of football could be better. But would that style of football be getting the same results with the same squad of players? The answer to that is no, because the squad of players mm-hmm. that David Moyes has built is suited to that style. Yeah. Mostly. There are a few players that probably don't quite fit. Um, and it's not terrible to watch. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. And the fact is that that style of football has given us some of the best memories that we've ever had as West Ham fans in our mm. lifetime. Yeah. Culminating in winning a European trophy. Mm. Getting to the Europa League semi-final. Finishing top seven back-to-back in the Premier League. So, the win yesterday, I think, is a sign that, yeah, okay, we're annoyed a little bit with the transfer window. Um, probably clouded a little bit by, the, and a lot of that frustration and that anger recently has probably been clouded by the domestic failures of last season. Hmm. But, or domestic averageness. That failure would be going down. Yeah. Maybe not so much failures, but av- averageness in, in the league. Um mm. But we've proven after beating Chelsea 3-1 at home in the second game of the season. But actually, no, this is this is a side that can compete in the Premier League and will compete this season. And with a few more signings between now and the end of the transfer window, it's only going to get stronger, you'd like to think. So I'm quite positive now. Quite positive. Mm. I'm quite happy. And uh, I think a lot of fans should also feel the same and probably are feeling the same. But I've seen a few little, a few fans on, on social media this morning kind of going, yeah, great but and it's the but that's frustrating me a little bit yeah just ignore it like enjoy a free one if you're not going to enjoy a free one home win over Chelsea you know and uh, you know I'm sort of a little bit aware of the the sort of folly that is this podcast and our approach because you know I've always sort of say I would try and stay a little bit closer to the to the mean line like in the middle um, rather than swinging like a pendulum week in, week out. If we win, it's the best thing ever. If we lose, it's the worst thing ever. But you've got to enjoy the victories, haven't you? 3-1 at home against Chelsea. You know, you've, you've got to you've got to enjoy that. You, like, you've got to enjoy laughing at Chelsea. We haven't lost yet this season. And we were guilty of it a bit after Bournemouth because of the negativity going forward. But all of a sudden, that win over Chelsea shows us a bit of fight in the squad and a bit of quality. And it at least makes you feel that going into the games we've got, a bar in Brighton, of course, because, you know, it's, it's written in some sort of law somewhere that we're not allowed to beat Brighton ever at football. But after that, and, you know, you go away to Luton then, and all of a sudden, you know, Brighton turned them over. Man City at home, OK, difficult. Liverpool, difficult. Sheffield United at home, Newcastle, difficult. Villa, Everton, Brentford, and you think, oh, Forest, Burnley, you go into November, then you think, oh, we'll give these teams a game. And yeah, maybe it's not so uh, not so bleak after all, contrary to um, yeah, what you might have heard from us after Bournemouth last week. Yeah. Um, what yeah. are you thinking then, Jonesy, going forward, like decent show um, this week. Uh, what are you thinking from, from now on? Born, Brighton, sorry, obviously coming up. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I'm at, to be right. I'm at a christening this weekend. I don't want to be at a christening this weekend, but I am. Um, and yeah, I've sort of just had a little bit of negotiation about exactly how much of my day that this christening I don't want to go to is going to eat out. Um, so I thought, right. Uh, the one thing I didn't even notice when I was sort of, I was like, oh yeah, we'll leave early evening. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, fine, fine. Um, it's because I've got a lot on at the moment that I need to do, by the way. I'm not just a curmudgeonly miserable bloke. Um, so, oh, yeah, yeah, fine. 
It was only afterwards I looked. I was like, oh, no, it's West Ham Brighton's half five kickoff. Um, but I'm just not worried. I'm like, we're, we're, we're not going to win the game, are we? So I'm not too bothered about the fact I might be on a train or. Um, yeah, at the, what do you call a post christening drinks reception? It's a wake after a funeral, obviously, and it's like the reception after a wedding. What do you call it a christening? Is there a specific word for it? Wetting the baby's head. Know. That's just more when all the blokes mm. go out and get livid, isn't it? Yeah, no. Did you, this Harris, do you have Harrison christened? Absolutely not. No. No. Did you have no, a? Uh, um, you know what? It's a Catholic. It's a Catholic ceremony as well, mate. So I'm going to be in the church for about seven hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, tell me about. Rather you than me, mate. But yeah, no, we 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 won't be getting him christened. He's he's not christened. I was christened. Oh no. I can't. I, I can't tell you what happened after my christening and what they called it. To be no, fair, no. Uh, I was there, but. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, you did go, did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah but you just don't there. know what the drinks reception afterwards was called. No. No, I would no, just call it a reception. No. Yeah? Yeah. No, it's just post-christening drinks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, basically, the, the point of all of that weird rambling uh, story was that, yeah, I might struggle to watch the game live, um, but I'm not too worried because we won't win. <laughs> no, no. I think... I think the best we can hope for is is a point at the moment. It's a but postponement. You said that about Chelsea, didn't <laughs> okay. we? You said that about Chelsea. Um, Chelsea's different. We've beaten Chelsea in the past decade, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to remain as positive as I can for this one. Obviously, the record doesn't help that, but um, surely we've said this for the last two years. But surely that run has to end at some point. No, maybe, maybe it. it Maybe it's at a time when we least expect it because that's normally what happens, yeah. isn't it? it it's so, the hope that kills you, mate. It's the hope that kills you. I genuinely, oh, well, but we're all used to hope killing us because we're West Ham fans. No, but so. I'm not hoping anymore because I'm fed up with being killed. The Brighton thing is crushing, it is crushing the feeling yeah. <laughs> not being Brighton. Before, if there's any Brighton fans listening or watching this bit who are just about to go in the comments, go, oh, it's so such a you know, entitled mentality. Oh, you shouldn't be saying that. We're a really well-run club. Yes, I know. Go and watch the opposition view. We've got lots of respect for you and the way you run. It's probably a bit of jealousy. We're happy to acknowledge that. Just calm down. Save your little fingers in the comments telling us that, oh, we shouldn't be thinking like that because we're a really good football team. We know you are. We're just jealous. Leave it alone. Um, what do you reckon then, James? Well, you've obviously given you... Given your prediction, any other sort of final thoughts, any pearls of wisdom, things you want to mention? We've covered quite a lot this week before we say goodbye for another seven days. No, I think we've covered everything, mate. Yeah, I think that's everything covered. Uh, hopefully oh. between now and the next time we're on, we would have a couple more players as well, which would be nice. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, Mavrapanos looks like that will be done at some point, um, as Jordan told us earlier on. Um, one thing, I think it was Jake... Uh, this is a little bit on pod administration, which, you know, perhaps we should save for afterwards. Um, but I don't think the uh, West Ham shirt winner has claimed their prize yet. Um, we told you to get in touch. I think it was Jake, uh, but whoever it was on uh, last week's pod, uh, get in touch, give us your details and we'll send you a West Ham shirt. 
that you won. Um, yeah, which leads me in nicely to a reminder to f- subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search We Are West Ham Podcast on YouTube. You, what else should you do? You should follow us on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham. I'm at William Pugh underscore James is at by James Jones. Follow us on Instagram at We Are West Ham Pod. We are on Facebook as well. Uh, don't use that quite as much, to be fair, but you can get us on there if you so wish. We've got a TikTok. You can email us at We Are West Ham Pod at Gmail. Dot com and if you fancy buying us a pint you can do that at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham and all of that money goes straight into mine and james's um or the podcast bank account we use it to buy podcast equipment pay for all the software licenses that we have to pay for to keep the pod going uh, and then if and when there's any surplus we normally buy a few pints when we're out together normally at hammers game so that's buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham if you fancy that three points for west ham in the east west london derby you cannot help but smile as former Tottenham manager Mauricio Pochettino's week was made a little bit harder by David Moyes' mighty hammers. Mikel Antonio, fair play, still not singing your song. James Ward-Prowse, happy to have egg on my face about that one. And I hope he continues to make my assertion that he wasn't going to fit into David Moyes' team continually look ridiculous week in, week out this season with a load of extra assists from set pieces and, of course, open play. Great goal from Naya for Gwed. Unlucky to be sent off. We'll only miss him for a game, I think. And Lucas Paqueta shrugging off all of the adversity that is hanging over his head in the last week or so to slot away the coolest penalty I've ever seen in very Lucas Paqueta fashion. Thanks very much for listening, everyone, and staying with us as always. It's good to be back. Glad to be back in the swing of things. West Ham are sixth in the Premier League. We would be fourth if our name didn't start with a W. Things, perhaps, despite what we said last week after Bournemouth, are looking up, but it's Brighton this weekend and I'm sure we'll come crashing down to earth. That does not change the fact that West Ham United are still massive up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.